I'm Brooke McLaughlin, an author, speaker, teacher, and small town girl from the mountains of Appalachia. Over the years, I've had the privilege of encouraging countless moms toward a richer prayer life, helping them catch a vision for the partnership God invites them into as they become praying moms. Prayer is action all by itself, and our prayers can impact the people we love most for generations to come. I created the Million Praying Moms podcast because prayer is one of the most overlooked parts of Christian parenting today. Let's change that together. My goal is to help you see prayer not as a last resort, but as your first and best response. If you have questions about prayer or motherhood, if you need help taking the first steps toward a praying life, or if you want to know how to pray for specific needs affecting our children in today's culture, you're in the right place, friend prayer warrior or mom who's just starting the journey. All are welcome here. Let's get started. Hey friends, I cannot wait for you to meet our guest today. So I'm just going to dive right in and introduce her. A frequent speaker at women's retreats, large conferences, or sometimes her own kitchen table, Erica Wiggenhorn longs to bring scriptural truth and see lives transformed. Erica serves on the P31 writing team and is an award-winning author with Moody Publishers. Her book, Letting God Be Enough, reminds women that self-reliance leads to self-doubt. But when we place our lives in the hands of God, there is nothing he can't do. You can find her almost every day on Instagram where she shares Phoenix life with her best friend, Jonathan, and their four children, two of which are human and the others furry and adorable. I can relate to that. For more about her speaking and writing ministry, visit ericawiggenhorn.com. Guys, I love her passion for God's word and her love for Jesus. Today, she's going to talk to us about five things we can expect to change when our kids leave our home and how we can prepare for them now. Erica, my friend, welcome to the show for the very first time. Tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your ministry. Yeah, Brooke, this is so fun to be with you here on your podcast. Uh, Let's see, I have been married for almost 30 years. I have a daughter who just finished her freshman year of college. So uh, what we're going to be talking about today is very uh, fresh in my heart and in my life. Uh, I have a son who just finished his junior year of high school And we pretty quickly and unexpectedly needed to make a decision to relocate him to a boarding school out of state. So he launched in sort of a different way, but launched both of our kids uh, within the last year. So this topic is very tender to my heart, and uh, I hope that we can really encourage some women today. Yeah, absolutely. I know that with your season and where you are and just having survived graduation myself of our first child, I feel like between the two of us, maybe we have something to offer here. So hopefully God will use what he's taught us to bless other moms that are listening today. I really feel like this is an important conversation. I think there's a shortage of information on this season and on the emotions that women feel as they go through this. I think society kind of tells us, well, you know, just get over it. This is what you've worked towards. This is what's supposed to happen. So, you know, stuff your emotions and move on. But there are real emotions that a woman feels as she's beginning to launch her children. And the conversation is an important one. And so today, 
we want to talk about how things might change when they're leaving our homes and how we can begin to prepare for those changes in our hearts before they even happen. So I want to speak to everybody listening right now. If you are listening and you have tweens or you have teens and you're thinking, oh, well, I'll I'll just skip this one because I'm not there yet. I have several years before I have to, to tackle this. I want you to hang on because we're going to be having some conversations today and sharing things with you that I wish I had known a few years ago so that I could prepare my heart then and not be scrambling to prepare my heart now. And I do have another child coming behind this one. And so I'm grateful to be having these conversations. Having a child that is launching is emotional. It can be filled with joy, but it can also bring lots of fear and anxiety it brings with it tons of choices that really matter. They are the ones that count from this point forward. So there's pressure involved with that as well. And Erica, I'm really, really grateful to have you with us today to shepherd our hearts through some of the things that we're going to want to be prepared for because things will change in our homes. And we really shouldn't try to change that. We really shouldn't try to keep that from happening, but we can lean into it. And we can be prepared for it and we can navigate it with grace. So I would love, you have a few things that you're going to share with us today, some tips, some things we need to be prepared for. Where do you want to start? What's the first change that we can expect to happen as we're launching our children? Yeah, I would say one of the changes that you can really expect is you're going to experience an emotional whirlwind, right? You're going to have moments where you're just so proud of your child and you're just full of deep joy. Maybe they're going off and pursuing their dreams. You know, our daughter was going across all the way to the other side of the country when she graduated from high school to pursue a passion that she loved dearly. And so there was a sense in my heart of deep joy. And also, um, I was so proud of her. Because at that age, I wouldn't have been brave enough to do that. But there was also a deep sorrow because I was going to miss her. You know, I was going to walk down the hall and her room was going to be empty and that was going to be hard and weird. And so I would say prepare your heart for the whirlwind of emotions that you'll experience at the same time. And I would say the best way, honestly, Brooke, to do that is start having a prayer journal now. Start talking to God about your emotions now. Start building that habit of pouring those emotions out to him. Because the thing of it is, is that when we don't have an outlet for all of those emotions, and as moms, they'll be very different than dad's emotions. And so if we don't have an outlet for those things, they will affect our behavior in a negative way. And we definitely don't want to end on a bad note, right? We want them to go out on the best note and the tightest relationship we possibly can have. So get yourself a prayer journal and start practicing that habit now. Um, You know, your prayer journal, praying, Praying God's word to launch them well. That's such a great one. Um, if you're not quite there yet, get a different one. Praying God's word, um, finding peace. Um, all of your resources that you offer and as far as prayer journals are just excellent, excellent ways to prepare our hearts for that. 
One thing that I found um, that I thought was so fascinating, I was listening to a, a woman share a story and she was talking about how God made mothers. And she was talking about how the word for mother in Hebrew actually means strength and it means water or life. So strong water. Okay. So biblical times, they would take the hide of an oxen and they would immerse it in water and it would create like a glue. They called it strong water, but it would create like a glue. And and she made the point that a mother's role is the adhesive or the glue of the family. And so when we have somebody that is suddenly not there, it's like they're, you know, you take two things that are glued together and you rip one of them away. There's pain there, right? That's ouch, right? And so there's an ouchiness that's going to come and developing that habit of just pouring out, crying out to God and expressing all of the hurt and the pain and the sorrow that we feel will prepare our heart to be able to embrace the joyous parts of it um, more easily. I love that so much. And I really identify with what you said about experiencing so many emotions it's almost like a roller coaster. I will look at my son. My son was kind of a late bloomer. And so in the last couple years, he has physically grown so much, not just matured, but physically, like my nose goes to his chest now, you know, and that was not the way it was for most of our lives. And I sometimes look at him when he comes in the door after baseball practice or whatever, and it's, I'm almost taken aback. I'm like, whoa, who is this man walking in my house with these huge feet now and, and is so tall and doesn't know his own strength sometimes. I'm taken aback by it and I immediately feel this sense of pride and I'm so excited about who he's becoming. But then at the same time, I realize that with that comes this almost forcible letting go. It's this idea that we have given and given and given and scraped and clawed and, you know, been that life-giving glue for our kids. And then it is a ripping of sorts. Not that they're leaving us forever, but it is a ripping apart. But it's the kind that should happen and is good to happen. And so I really get that roller coaster of emotions. And I will tell you that I have been using this particular journal to do exactly what you just said, because I can't always share those feelings that I'm having with my son. And my husband has his own set of feelings. And while we talk, they are very different from each other. And so, you know, if you're listening right now, moms, and you're like, nobody really gets what I'm going through. God absolutely gets what you're going through. And he is that safe place that you can just pour out every emotion, whether you think it's right or wrong, whether you think it's silly or petty or accurate, doesn't matter. Just pour it out to him so that you have a place that you're able to process and let him take it. Let him deal with it. You don't have to share it with everybody. Just give it to him. I love that idea so much, Erica. What is another thing that we can do to prepare our hearts or another thing we might need to be prepared for? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I would say is um, your schedule will change. Yes. <laughs> schedule will change. You are 
most likely uh, going to have more time. You know, that's that old adage. You've never worked full time till you became a mom, right? <laughs> so you may be in the situation where it's your oldest going off, in which case you now have another younger child at home or children. Uh, start by asking them, you know, our schedule's going to change. Now that big brother's going away, what would you like to see more of in our family? Or what would you like to see happen with this change in schedule? It gives your younger kids some opportunity maybe to express some of their feelings about the change, but it also invites them into um, making decisions about your family. And it will alert you as mom to maybe see gosh, you know, we've been so focused this last year on getting, you know, big sister off to school. I didn't realize that you had some things that you were really needing some of my time and attention. So talk to your other kids about it. That's one thing I would say. And, and the other thing is, you know, in family life, we're so busy. It's like my husband and I, we would struggle, to be honest, we're, to find some kind of date night, right? And if we had a date night, we'd go out to dinner, right? And then now all of a sudden, it's the two of us at home and we're like, what? You know, we're not going to go out to dinner <laughs> night. So start thinking about some things that you can do together as a family with that don't revolve around this person. I know your son, Brooke, and our daughter, both very involved in athletics, and that took up a lot of our family's time. And so we needed to find new ways to fill that space. So Pursue a new project that you've been putting off. Take up a new hobby. Find something to do with your time uh, that has purpose because you're still a mama and there's still a lot of time that they will need from you. But if we don't fill uh, ourselves with a new purpose, we're going to have a tendency to just sort of pine away for that child and the way things were. And um, then when they do call us and they do connect with us, they're going to feel like, gosh, mom's just down in the dumps all the time because I'm not home and no late teen's going to want to call and have that conversation all the time. No. And we don't want them to feel guilt as they're moving. No. Like we, I want my kids to be free to pursue what God's given them to pursue That's and right. not feel guilty about leaving me behind when it happens. That's right. So find a new hobby or a new purpose or a new place to volunteer if you are in a situation where you have less family responsibilities now. Mm -hmm. That's so good. I thought a, a little bit, I wouldn't say I've thought about it a lot, but I thought a little bit about how the dynamic in our home is going to change in the sense that, you know, we do have a younger son who will now kind of be something of an only child and what that would be like for him and, you know, opportunities that it would give us to, to minister to him and to focus on him when we've always been so divided. Not that we're just going to ignore our older son. There's going to be plenty of times for us to be involved in what he's doing, but it's not going to be the same in the home. And so I think it opens up a lot of opportunities for us to, you know, not feel quite as divided as we have in the past as well, which is a good thing. So that's a fantastic tip. Another great one. What would you follow that up with? What's another thing that we can expect to change in the home? Yeah. One thing that really took me probably, I would say the most by surprise, Brooke, honestly, is how much I second guessed myself as a mom. 
right? You would think that you would be like, oh, she made it. I did it. She's off, right? But I really second guessed myself. And I I just thought, you know, did I do this enough? And is she ready for this? And what if she faces that? And will she be prepared? And I was constantly feeling like I had not done a good enough job for her to be able to go out and launch well. And, you know, God is so kind to show up in our lives, you know, in those moments where we're just wrestling And uh, I actually received an email from a reader and she had written me and it was in response to my book, Letting God Be Enough. She said, you know, I am so grateful that I stumbled upon this book because I've really been beating myself up a lot, trying to meet everybody's expectations and just always feeling like I'm not enough. But your story about this mom and this mom and this mom and every story that she cited from that book was all about motherhood. And she said, I realized, gosh, I just, I can trust God. He's enough. He's enough to fill in my lack. And I just kind of chuckled because here I am sitting in my home thinking, I failed and she's not ready. And (laughs) what if this happens? And I'm mulling over all these things. And God was like, hello, let me be enough. I think you wrote a book about Mm -hmm. that. Um, (laughs) So that's the thing is just, you will wonder those things. And like, to be honest with our son, I second guess myself a lot because his character is not developed at the level that I would want it to be. And so I second guess myself a lot there. So what it really goes back to is, is I remember this moment so clearly, Brooke, the night that we brought our daughter home from the hospital and she was crying in the middle of the night. I wake up, I'm holding her in my arms Uh, rocking her. And I'm just weeping before the Lord saying, God, I just, I can't believe that you've blessed me with this little girl. I mean, we waited 11 years to become parents. It was a long, hard story. And here God had answered our prayers. And I, I'm weeping before God saying, I just want to do this right. I don't want to mess this up. I just want to be a good mom, God. And in the quietness of my heart, I just sensed God say, Erica, if Eliana had a perfect mother, why in the world would she ever need her heavenly father? Amen, sister. You know, I'm enough to fill in everything that you lack. That's grace. And when you make a mistake and you come to me for forgiveness and I forgive you, and when you make a mistake and you go to her for forgiveness, you're teaching her who I am. And so be prepared. You're going to second guess yourself. You're going to feel like they're not ready and they don't know how to do this and you didn't do that well enough. But let God be enough because he is enough. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Anybody listening right now, Erica, that has listened to this show for any length of time knows that you are speaking my language. I think that there is so much freedom in motherhood when we just stop trying to be enough. Like We don't have to be. That's so freeing to me. You don't have to be enough. God is enough. Jesus is enough for everything that you need. He's enough for your kids. He's enough for you. And I think we actually do our families a disservice when we act like we are enough or that we should be enough. Our children need to see 
that we need Jesus just as much as they do. And so I love that. And I also resonate with that as a mother, because I have to tell you this entire senior year, I have been asking myself those questions. Did I do enough? Did we have all the right conversations? Did I teach him everything he needs to know to be successful when he leaves my home? Those thoughts have been constantly going through my head. And the Lord in his kindness has reminded me multiple times that I had really great parents, really, really good, imperfect parents who did a fantastic job of raising my brother and I. And I didn't know everything I needed to know when I left their home when I was 18. In fact, part of my redemption story, part of the reason that I turned to the Lord is because I didn't know what to do in certain situations. I didn't have the answers. And as a parent, it's hard to let your child scramble that way. But if we look at our own lives, that's what we did. We did. And and we want to be able to save our children from having to you know, go through the same things we did, but it's the way God designed it. I was just having a conversation with a very dear friend of mine recently who is wondering the same things. Like, did I do enough? You know, actually the questions she's asking are more like, I don't think I did do enough, or I don't think that I did this well. I I think I failed my children in this area. And and there may be areas realistically where we fail our children. You know, we have to be honest and say that we're we're not God. And so we will not do this perfectly. But I I was able to remind her, and, and maybe this will serve the conversation and the people that are listening because it has served me as well. I have to remind her that all we can ever bring to the table as mothers is what we have. It's what we have. And right now in this moment, there is a finite amount of maturity that I have in Christ. There is a, well, it's a growing, but it's an amount right this moment. It's an amount and it's not the same. God willing, it's not the same as it will be tomorrow. And it's not the same as it will be 10 years from now. But right now I am who I am in Christ. And I know what I know about the world. And I have the amount of wisdom that I have. And all I can do as a parent is use that in any given moment. I can't use something I don't have yet. I can't give my children wisdom that is not mine yet. I can't give my children something of God that I don't have yet myself. And so I think for me, that releases some pressure because it reminds me that God is not done. He's not done with me and he's not done with my children and that I can trust him, as you say, to be enough for all of my lack. That, as you can see, I'm really passionate about that subject. I really, that's important to me that the moms listening get that. And I, I'm grateful to you for bringing it up. Would you add anything to that before we move on to the next tip? I would just, well, I would say 100 and amen to every single thing that you shared. And this sounds very countercultural to what the world would say, but it's like, when you are asking yourself, am I enough? Did I do enough? The answer is no. <laughs> no, none of us did. None of us can. Only God can. And so we need to, we need to let that go. And we do our children a disservice 
if we set ourselves up to be that person that always has all the answers because we won't always have all the answers. And there will be things that happen in their lives that no matter how badly and desperately we want to, we won't be able to fix. And so teaching our children that in those moments where we don't have the answers and we don't have what it takes and we aren't doing it all right and we're doing the best we can with what we have and we go to God for everything else, that's the best thing we can teach our children. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Today's show is brought to you by our newest prayer guide, Praying God's Word for Your Child to Launch. It's written by my friend Gina Smith, who has launched two children of her own and is now expecting her first grandchild. And while this makes her something of an expert in my mind, she would be quick to tell you that any wisdom she has comes from her relationship with God. She often reminds me that she doesn't have all the answers, but she knows the God who does. And I think that that's a fantastic motto for all of us who are currently in the launch season. Whether we are young moms, middle-aged moms, or moms of adults, our children are daily growing in their independence. And the ultimate goal of our motherhood is to work ourselves out of a job. Preparing our children to launch begins earlier than we ever imagined as one life lesson builds on top of another. And truly, I believe it's never too early to pray for them to launch well. And it's important that we get into the habit as early as we possibly can. If we are in the habit of praying for our children in this way, we'll be used to being on our knees on their behalf when they leave our home. And we're limited in the amount of input that we have in their lives. The prayers we pray leading up to their launching from the safety of our home will be a springboard that's like no other. As their hands slip from ours for the last time, we will know for sure that we have released them into the firm grip of the Savior's hand as He faithfully surrounds and leads them in the very ways we've prayed over the years. In praying God's word for your child to launch, you'll pray for God to work in your children's hearts to believe in His plan for their lives, be certain of their calling as children of God, Live lives of praise to the God who made them. Submit to the pruning work of the Holy Spirit. Choose wisdom over foolishness. Rely on God's strength. Help them have the desire to please God and much more. With biblical teaching, scripture-inspired prayers, and space to journal using our Think, Pray, Praise method of daily prayer, this digital prayer guide is perfect for the busy mom who needs God to move in the hearts of her kids. Download your copy of Praying God's Word for Your Child to Launch now when you visit today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. What other tip would you have for us? I would say uh, to remember this one and uh, write this one down somewhere. (laughs) Because this one was probably the hardest one for me. Your love won't lessen, but your authority will. Mm. That is, I, I gotta tell you, I'm ready to hear this one because we're like, we're right there. We are right there in it and it's hard. So give us your wisdom. Your love won't lessen, but your authority will. And it was really interesting to me because with Eliana, our daughter, you know, she is at a, a very godly Christian school where conversations about faith are on the daily in every class. And her professors are all very much talking to her like, you are an adult now. You are on your own now. You need to be responsible now. And in Eliana's, you know, 18, 19 year old mind, what she's hearing is that 
I'm on my own, right? And so the conversations that we have with each other need to shift, right? Because for so many years, it was like, well, when you're in this home and you're under this roof, you know, this (laughs) is the way we wig and horns do things, right? Yes. Well, she's not under our roof now. Um, she's still, you know, she's still on the payroll. Right. Um, <laughs> she's not under the roof. And so a couple of things that I have found, Brooke, in our conversations, because they're over a thousand miles away, I'm over in Phoenix, she's all the way over in Kentucky, is she will call and she'll have, you know, something going on. And I'm pretty much think I have the what would Jesus do answer right? <laughs> as mom. Um, but yes. I will say to her, I will say, honey, this is, you know, I'm sorry that you're going through this, or this is a very interesting situation. Is this something where you just want me to listen? Or are you asking for my advice? And that has served us very well because my my mama heart wants to just jump in and say, well, here's what you need to do. Here's how you fix, fix this, it. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. what she's learned is that I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to immediately override her thought process. And some of it is she's just got to talk it out to mm-hmm. kind of figure out what the right thing to do is and just needs me to be there on the other end of the line. But then it does two things, Brooke. It encourages her that I can call mom to help process this. And she's not going to immediately jump down my throat and tell me what I'm doing wrong or what I should do better or differently. Mm-hmm. And it also opens the door for those moments where I can say, you know what? I, I think I have some wisdom I could speak into this situation, Eliana. It, are you okay if I do that for a minute? Or take it from the approach of, you know, I had a very similar situation with my roommate in college, or I had a really cantankerous curmudgeon professor too, Eliana, you know, (laughs) identify with her emotions and then move into, you know, here's what I did and I wish I wouldn't have done it. Own your mistakes at that age. Here's what I, looking back, I wish I would have done this instead. But they're not always calling us anymore to fix things. Sometimes they're just calling us to be a safe place. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes it may be that they are calling us to fix things, but we need to put it back on them and say, you have to fix this. I have a a very vivid, it was a, one of those turning points. This was actually when I was in graduate school. I attended college pretty close, about a half an hour from my family, but I left and went a few hours away for graduate school. And I was not prepared for the jump in responsibility and coursework difficulty and reading level. And just, it's a major jump between undergrad and and graduate school. And I think I, I just kind of wasn't prepared for that. And so a couple weeks into the coursework, I realized in class one day that I had about three projects that were due the following week and I hadn't started any of them. I, like I just had not gotten in the habit of really using my syllabus well and, and understanding, you know, what was due and that these were big assignments. These were large papers that I had to write. And so 
they were going to require a different approach. And so I remember having this meltdown in class. I don't know if anybody was looking, but if they were, I was a puddle. And I got up and I'm going to date myself because I'm going to tell you that I went to the payphone in the um, <laughs> in the in the in the in the classroom or like in the building that the class was in. And I called my dad and I, I just was like freaking out and just telling I can't do this. I've blown it. I'm not going to be able to do this. And I actually wanted him to fix it. I wanted him to tell me, what do I do to fix this? And instead, what he basically said was, suck it up, girl, and go figure out how to fix this. Like your mom and I have taught you well, you have the ability to figure this out. Go figure it out. Get off the phone with me. I believe in you and go figure this out. And that's what I did. And and sometimes we need to give them a place to listen. Absolutely. Other times I think we need to push it back on them a little bit if they're depending too much on us and say, you can do this. You and God can sit down together and you guys can do this. It's just a different kind of responsibility that we have as parents in the life of our child who really needs to be equipped to make those decisions on their own sometimes. I love that, Brooke, because I think one of the things that we often don't realize as parents is if every time our kids are talking to us about something and we immediately just jump in and try to fix it or say, well, here's what you need to do and and this is how you need to do it. When we do that, what our kids, and I think especially our sons, what they hear is, mom doesn't really believe in me. Mm-hmm. And we don't want our kids to think that. We want our kids to say, hey, exactly what your dad said. You you can do this. I know who mm-hmm. you are. I know mm-hmm. what your capabilities are. You can do this. And yes, it's hard, but you can do it. That's very, very empowering for our kids and especially for our sons because we want them to be leaders. And it starts by the ability to lead themselves. And so we as mamas, I think, really need to kind of zip the lip now, you know, and say, okay, let's just let's take a pause here. And what do you think you should do? What are your plans to fix this? and let them start to process some of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So good. Such great stuff. What is the next one that you have for us? Okay. Here's number five. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) This is number five. And it's this, your kids might actually need you more. I like the sound of that. Tell me more. So here's the thing. They're going to be experiencing a whole lot of new things, a whole lot of new people, and they may realize they aren't quite as ready as they thought they were, right? Before Eliana left, you know, at home, she didn't really need me a whole lot on the daily, right? She had life at home figured out, right? She had high school figured out. She had meals. She had that figured out. She had friends figured out, right? She had all those things. They were comfortable. They were predictable. And she had her system of functioning and all of those things. But when she went away to school, suddenly everything is different. Everything's different. And so I got a whole lot more phone calls, Brooke, than I really thought I was going to get. And sometimes multiple phone calls in a day 
because she's just navigating. And a lot of times she just wants uh, somebody to talk to. So plan to be available. You know, I know for some moms, it's kind of like, you know, we talked about this of like finding other things to do. You should find some other things to do, but don't have this mindset like, oh, my kid is away at college. So now I'm going to jump into this thing that's going to take my all day every day. And I'm not available to my kiddo that's a thousand miles away or, or a couple hundred miles away. They will need you. They will call you. And when they do, we want to be available for them to take those calls. I remember uh, telling Eliana, I didn't end up having to do it, but I told her, I said, I just want you to know that um, mom has set aside a little SOS fund. So if you get really sick or, you know, you're super homesick or, you know, something happens and you just really need mom or want mom, I have this money set aside and I can hop on a plane and I can be there. And I never had to do it, but I think it gave her comfort and it gave her the realization to know, okay, I'm, yes, I'm going here and yes, I'm going by myself, but mom is a minute away, if not a minute, because I have to fly right. there. But <laughs> yes, I mean. mom is there if I really, really need her. So our job is not done yet, mama. They still need us. They just need us in a different way. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that my parents did for me, um, and it started when I was in college, and it actually has continued throughout all of my adulthood, and I so value this, is they gave me some space when I went to college. They were not calling me every day. They were not demanding. Of course, we live in a different time now. I didn't have a phone to even have Life 360 on, right? So they knew that I was going to classes, but they didn't know my exact physical location the way that I can know the exact physical location of my children if I want to. So it was different in that time. But once a week, they would come. Now, granted, this is not something that's open to parents like you that have their children on the other side of the country. But if you do have this option, they would drive to me. They didn't ask me to come to them. They came to me once a week and they would take me out to dinner just for a couple hours. They would pay for it. They never one time, still to this day, anytime we go out to dinner with my parents, they will not let us pay. So they took me out to dinner and it was just my time with them. And they would ask me questions. We would have heart to hearts. I would unload my stress on them if I needed to, any of that. But it was just a couple hours, one time a week. Then when I got married, we moved about an hour away. They still drove to us once a week, took us out to dinner. And then our family loves old time music, old time and bluegrass music. My dad plays, our kids play. Um, it's kind of a big thing. It's a part of our story. And so we would go after dinner and watch dad play. And then my children, once we had children, they kept coming and they would come once a week, take us out to dinner, and then we would all go play music or whatever. I don't play music, but the rest of them do. And so it's just become this thing. And even now we moved home about be seven years ago very quickly. And we still once a week have dinner with my parents. It's a touch point. It's a way that, that we stay connected, but they were the ones that pursued it. 
I did not pursue that with them. And I still, to this day, am not the one that pursues that with them. I know that it's going to happen. And if all of a sudden it dried up, I probably would pursue it. But they pursue me that way. But it's just one time a week and it gives us space to live our lives, but it's a touch point with them. So I would say for the parents that are looking for ways to stay connected with their child, first of all, food is good. Feeding them is always good. (laughs) If if you have to do it at home, do it at home. But going to where they are, if you can, instead of wanting them all the time to come back to you, but going to where they are can make a huge difference in their openness to spend time with you. And I've seen that work in in my life. It's what I plan to do in my own children's lives because it's me asking to enter their world, not me forcing them back into the world that, you know, I want them to want to come back to the world that they were in. It's a different world now. So I want to go to them and be a part of theirs as well. I love that. And and you are making me just a little bit jealous, Brooke. (laughs) I know that's hard. I know that's hard. I really do. But even just a phone call, like, you know, just that one phone call that's a couple hours a week, like it's a standing phone call or a FaceTime or something you do together. Maybe there's a television show that you both love and you watch it and then you call afterwards and this is your time. Find something that you can connect around. It doesn't have to be food and it doesn't have to be face-to-face to matter. Face-to-face is great if you can make it happen, but if you can't, there are other ways to stay connected in their lives and you just have to look for the right one that fits you and your child. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well, Erica, this has been fantastic. You have given us so much food for thought, and I am so grateful for you to take a few minutes and share uh, what I know has been hard-earned wisdom on your part as you have lived through this yeah. season and are still in it in that in that particular season. So thank you so much for sharing with us. Tell everybody listening where they can learn more about you and how they can get involved with what you're doing for the kingdom out there. Sure. Uh, The easiest way is just to connect with me either on Instagram, which is just my name, Erica Wiggenhorn, or on my website at ericawiggenhorn.com. And uh, there they can um, download some free resources and see if I'll be in your area speaking somewhere. And then also my books and Bible studies that I have there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with me today, friends. I know this episode gave you lots to think about and pray about. So don't forget to get your copy of our prayer guide to accompany it, Praying God's Word for Your Child to Launch. There is dedicated journaling space inside so that you can write down what God is teaching you as we go through this season. You can find it along with a link to all of Erica's amazing resources in the show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. Till next time, friends, the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look with favor on you and give you peace. Do you wish you could have a short, sweet, simple something to pray for your kids this summer that sincerely asks God to move in their hearts, is easy to use, and maybe even encourages your heart to? Sign up for a summer of prayer with Million Praying Moms. Each morning this summer, you'll receive a simple scripture-inspired prayer for your child in your email inbox, just one a day. We'll work our way through the book of Romans, asking God to do things like turn their hearts toward Him 
follow him, trust him, put their faith in him, stand up for him, and be obedient to him. Get signed up right now in today's show notes at millionprayingmoms.com. God kept calling my heart like I just knew he was my safe place. I hope people don't walk away going, wow, you're really awesome. More than like, wow, Jesus is really interesting and he's really awesome. Everybody on this planet is dealing with some sort of what if. How does that one courageous decision affect the whole world? A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for. If you were encouraged by what you just heard, please search Trevor Talks on your favorite podcast platform or lifeaudio.com.